sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, The Sports Grid. A radio network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with Brad Powers. I'm excited to pick his brain at Bad Brad Powers Seven on Twitter. Brad, he's blown up this year, man. I see him everywhere now. All the mainstream stations are getting Brad Powers to come in and break down college football for them. I want to have him break down some college football for us as well. We're going to talk bowl previews right here. Overview for bowl previews. We're going to talk about interim coaches. We're going to talk about the transfer portal. We're going to talk about the coordinator changes. And we're going to go through a whole bunch of bowl games. Quick hitter style, including all the first ones, all the early ones. Starting with Miami, O, UAB, and Troy, uh, Texas San Antonio, and Louisville Cincy. Um, we're going to go through some of the New Year's Eve and January 2nd games as well. TCU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Purdue, LSU. You know the drill. It's going to be a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of info uh, on today's show with Brad Powers. So, but before we get into Brad, we got to talk a little bit about some of the news this week. And the National Council on Problem Gaming is all worried. And the New York Times is a big expose. At least eight universities has partnered with online sports betting companies. While at least a dozen athletic departments and booster clubs have signed agreements with brick-and-mortar casinos. Oh, heavens to Betsy! Goodness gracious! There's gambling going on here. Yeah, it's legal. <laughs> All right, this Times expose. Oh, they're partnering. The universities are partnering with the online sports betting companies. They are, in a sense... We're the online sports betting companies and the sports betting, you know, you know all the companies that are trying to get involved. We got 31 states legal, five more coming, and the other 14 probably not that far behind when the athletic departments and the booster clubs sign agreements with the casinos. People that aren't familiar with gaming and gambling and modern sports betting seem to get all up in arms about this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, who's the guy? The, the personal finance author, Dave Ramsey, the guy who was really mad at the universities for allowing credit card companies to give college students credit card. Here's his quote. You freaking idiots selling out your own students who you're supposed to be caring for. The number two addiction in North America today, the fastest growing addiction in North America today is online gambling. It starts with sports betting as a gateway drug. Okay, settle down, Beavis. <laughs> sports betting is a gateway drug. Look, there are people who have a gambling problem. No question. It's an issue. All right? If you have a problem, and of course the signs are real simple. I shouldn't say they're simple, but uh, I mean, the, the basic gambling addiction signs, you know, they're real. Hey, uh, I feel really uncomfortable. I got to make a bet. You know, I can't watch a game without making a bet. I think only about betting. I'm betting more than I'm able to afford to lose, etc., etc. These are classic, classic addiction issues and if you have an issue with sports betting as an addiction where it's not about getting the best of the number where it's not about winning per se it's just about having action yeah you got to get help but 
the small percentage, there's a small percentage of people that have uh, issues with it. It's real. I don't want to dismiss it. And a gambling addiction can ruin your life as much as any other addiction can ruin your life. But there are lots of people who bet consistently, who bet every weekend, maybe who bet every day. Look, it's basketball season. We bet every day in basketball season. You know, uh, I ran across this Canadian Center on Substance Use and Addiction. They recommend that you recommend bet no more than 1% of your household income before tax every month and restrict yourself to gambling no more than four days per month. Those are nonsense figures, okay? <laughs> I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the concern. And it's something that, from an addiction standpoint, you got to talk about it. You have a problem, you got to deal with it. But to say, oh, these arbitrary rules, if you're gambling more than four days a month, it's an issue. Not if you're a sports better. If you're serious about betting on sports, if you expect to make positive expectation wagers, you're going to do this, if not every day, most days, all year round. And that doesn't make you an addict. That doesn't make you hopeless when it comes to gambling and, oh, my God, I can't do anything without gambling. It means you're a savvy better and you're taking advantage of a marketplace that those who are convinced that this is all an addiction and there's nothing to it, well, that's the way they're going to go. So I don't want to go on and on about these guys. Um, you know, but I mean, certainly some of the issues, some of the concerns, you know, Caesars just signed an $8.4 million deal with Michigan State. All right, the University of Colorado at Boulder supposedly collects $30, everyone signs with point bet. All right, these are the way that these deals get structured. <laughs> all right, uh, for Caesars to say, all right, we're going to make a deal with Michigan State, and now we're going to be the official licensed partner of Michigan State, that's fine. If you want to bet on sports and you're over 21, Michigan State wants to give Caesars a little love, that's fine. All right, the University of Colorado, Boulder, wants to give points bet a little love, that's fine, too, if they get 30 bucks when someone signs up. They say, oh, a whopping $8.4 million deal with Sparty. $8.4 million for a state university is pennies. <laughs> so, anyhow, those who like to criticize will continue to criticize. If you have any issues with compulsive gaming, get yourself some help. Otherwise, let this stuff roll off your back. It's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> it really isn't. Well, Brad Powers coming up next. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I just went back and looked during the break. The last time we had Brad Powers on the show was in August, and he gave us a bunch of preseason predictions and, frankly, a whole lot of them are right and were real money makers for us. I'm glad to have them on again at Brad Power Seven on Twitter. Welcome to the program, Mr. Powers. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me, Teddy. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. Believe me, and it really felt like you blew up this football season, man. I see your name everywhere. You're on ESPN doing stuff. You're all over the place. Uh, how's the Brad Powers brand these days, and how was your college football season in general? Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of different uh, mediums, the podcast. Uh, you know, I was on working with a, t a ton of different companies uh, this year, so that, that might be a reason. But I would say, you know how this is, Teddy. I mean, it probably helps that I've had probably my best season in 14 years. So uh, when you win, 
that, that cures all and word uh, tends to spread when you're having a really good season. So I think that would be the, the main reason. So it's been a really good season. Not over yet, though. Last I checked, uh, there's still plenty of bowl games left. There sure are. We're going to get into a whole bunch of them on today's show. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, you know, you had a great regular season. And congratulations on putting together a great regular season. I did not have a great regular season, and I'm mad about it in 14 different ways. Who are your favorite teams this year? Who's your favorite coaches? Uh, who'd you make money with? And what about your least favorite team? Who'd you love fading uh, all year long? Well, I, I, a lot of it's going to be a lot of first-year coaches uh, on both ends. Uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, some of the first-year coaches or, or first- or second-year coaches, I should say. You know, Southern Miss has a second-year coach. I, I made a lot of money, you know, not only season win total, but on a game-in and game-out basis. That, that's a team that I thought was undervalued in the marketplace. Uh, another one w- would be Oregon State. Uh, Jonathan Smith's been there a little bit, but uh, that was a team that, that obviously when you go 10 and 2 against the number, that was a team that I thought was undervalued week in and week out. Uh, least favorite teams, it's probably easier for me to answer, Teddy, <laughs> because uh, you know how it is. I mean, <laughs> it's easier to point out the, the negatives or the outliers and whatnot. I did not properly adjust for probably some of the transfer portal stuff with LSU and USC. I also thought USC, there was a lot of maybe some smoke and mirrors due to the fact that there were plus 24 in turnovers in the regular season. You know, I lost quite a bit, you know, not only in a season win total, betting under nine and a half wins, but I faded USC a few times this year and it just uh, didn't work out for me. So USC would be front and center, the team that uh, got the best of me this year. And even in the midst of a great season, and Brad's talking about he's had the best season he's had in the last 14 years this year, there were still a handful of teams he didn't get a good read on. That is perfectly normal. That is acceptable. That is part uh, of the business. And, you know, Brad, you're a guy who has done this for a long time, certainly when it comes to capping uh, college football. When it comes to lessons that you've learned, you know, you talked about some of the things this year that stand out. What you want to stamp in, boom, I really got to remember this for next year. You know, what what stands out to you in that regard? Because even as we do this year after year, every year, I'm like, oh, yeah, this next year I want to do I want to tweak this. I want to do that differently. I want to try this. Anything stand out to you in that regard after this college football regular season? Yeah, a lot of it's going to have to do with the transfer portal. I, I'm pretty conservative with my upgrades and downgrades on teams. I just, you know, it's the, almost the old Allen Boston. There's levels to programs, but, man, and, you know, there's almost like a process towards a team improving as a program or downgrading as a program. I just think because of the transfer portal, there's much more instability and higher variance. And maybe I, you know, have to step out there a little bit in my upgrades and downgrades when I'm evaluating teams in the offseason with regards to the transfer portal where teams can basically change for the good or for the bad basically in one offseason. So that's something that I'll probably have to self-scout and see what went wrong there since, you know, a couple of teams that I just didn't peg right were USC and LSU. They just so happen to be one and two when it comes to transfer portal rankings and who they brought in. So that would be – that would be at least as of right now before I really dive into self-scouting what went right, what went wrong that comes off the top of my head. Sure, transfer portal, something that is going to be a factor in during bowl season as well. And I mean, the bowl season capping, I love bowl season. All right, Flat out, I love it. I think there's lots of money to be made. I think there's lots of really good opportunities. But it feels like 
It's, you know, a lot of them, oh, it's gotten harder over the years. It's gotten harder over the years. Bulls have gotten harder over the years, not just because of the coaching changes, not just because of the coordinator changes, but because there are so many players entering the transfer portal right after the regular season. What's a better to do when it comes to coaching changes, coordinator changes, transfer portal changes? Uh, the teams we're going to be betting on later this month and next month, the same teams we just seen for the last three months, or are some of them going to look real different? Yeah, so I, I'll say this. It's not for everybody. Uh, just like NFL preseason, not for everybody. If it's not your cup of tea, I'm not even sure it's worth it dipping your toe in the water. Now, if you have time, because that's what, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's gotten harder in some instances. I think it's gotten easier if you've actually figured out who's motivated and who isn't. As far as the results, you can have some of your easiest wins of the season. You can have some of your worst losses of the season. It just depends if you, you know, handicap that word motivation correctly. And, you know, how do you quantify it? Well, I mean, if the team's not motivated, it's pretty easy to, to, to know. They're going to hit the transfer portal of the players. Uh, you know, maybe a few of the staff members are off. They're taking other jobs. Maybe you got an interim coach type situation. So I would say if you have the time to dive into the transfer portal, to sit in front of the screen and follow some of these line moves, then, then I, I think it's worth it to get involved. Me personally, I know I'm not for everybody. I've already made over 50 bets. Uh, so I, I'm not afraid to get involved. Uh, number one, I trust my numbers. And number two, uh, you know, I'm sitting in front of a screen 14 hours a day still here the last three weeks of 2022. And I'll say this, if the screen is lighting up, especially at this point in the bowl season, I'm not saying wait until game day. I'm saying right now. Well, who's betting bowl games right now? Probably the professionals. So anytime you see a line moving, uh, likely there's some player personnel uh, doing that or, or guys just have big bankrolls are betting into something they know something that the market doesn't know. So I think this is one time where it's okay to steam chase. I think these moves are, are going to be sharp at least the first week or two. Yeah, I ran into some data uh, today that said the, the biggest line moves in bowl season over the last 15 years uh, where the lines move four and a half points or more from the openers. If you bet on the team that the markets were betting on, you still made money, <laughs> significant money. Uh, if you're backing the biggest line moves, the teams that, well, maybe they were supposed to be there, uh, but maybe they're not going to show up. And you talked about, I mean, my next question was how I'm going to add, how do you tell when they're going to step up for the interim coach and when uh, not so much? You're saying look at the transfer portal as a good indicator of are they buying into what the interim coach is selling. Let me ask you this. Where do you find all that transfer portal information? Is there a website you go to or is it school by school digging, digging and digging deeper? Yeah, 247 Sports, very good with Transfer Portal. I mean, they got it up to the minute. As soon as the kid pretty much enters, they'll have it. <laughs> so, and, and then you can do it by, you know, who's the top Transfer Portals, the best players, and then you can do it school by school. So they got it all easy there where you can check it out. That's good info, 247 Sports. Um, do coordinator changes matter as much as coaching changes? Yes, no? Yeah, I think they do, especially, I mean, play callers on offense uh, because a lot of times the play caller is gone. I mean, who's going to be calling plays on offense? So uh, especially you've got a relatively inexperienced quarterback. So yeah, I think that certainly uh, affects it. So I, I think even more so sometimes than the head coach, if the head coach is just a figurehead CEO type, then, you know, I want to know who's calling plays on offense and defense. So yeah, you got to follow coordinators. Yeah. So, but, but if, if you're going to rank transfer portal versus coordinator change versus head coach change, how would you rank them? Good question. Yeah. 
So uh, head coach one, coordinators two. Uh, you know, uh, if it's a quarterback, quarterback's going to be one. Uh, head coach two, coordinators three. <laughs> and of course, and a minute ago you were like the transfer portal. So the bottom line is, it's all of them. There's no this one's the most yeah. important head coach, or the coordinator, or the transfer portal. All three can help tell the story of how your team's going to look in their bowl game, and we're just about to get into it. Like I said, we're going to go through all the early bowl games. We're going to go through the big marquee games on New Year's Eve and New Year, well, January 2nd. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We've got extended time on today's broadcast with Brad Powers at Brad Power 7 on Twitter. And Brad, when it comes to college football experts, there aren't many guys in the world that are going to stand up, <laughs> uh, hold a candle to Brad Powers. This guy lives it, he eats it, he breathes it, and he knows it. And, of course, he's been doing this for a while. Not as long as me. Now, last time you were on the show, Brad, I didn't know if you'd ever do the show with me again because I called you around my age, and you're more than a decade younger than me. But... You've been doing this full-time, pretty hardcore for, what, 15 years now? Yeah, it's my 14th year, yep. Yeah, so close to 15 years. So I will not ever make the mistake of calling you anywhere near my age ever again. Nonetheless, you're a veteran in doing this. And because you're a veteran, I know the answer to every question that I ask about basic bowl strategy is going to be, it depends, case-by-case basis. It depends, case-by-case basis. So I'm just (laughs) going to ask you the broadest question I can think of. Are there any basic rules or basic guidelines that betters should abide by? Abide by for bowl season. I would say if you're not, if you know, scared money don't make money. So I would say bet as early as you feel comfortable because, I mean, we got three weeks in between these, uh, you know, the end of the regular season and a lot of these bowl games will be played. You're going to see massive line moves and they'll continue to steam. Uh, as more and more people are betting and, you know, handicapping the game similarly. So I would say as soon as you're comfortable with a bet, I know there's going to be new information that that might break, that might impact it, but I I would say bet as early as possible because these lines are moving even as we're we're recording this uh, spot here, Teddy. So uh, you you don't want to be always late to the party. Yeah, I hear you. And let's just get right into it. Let's start breaking down some games. The first bowl game is the Bahamas Bowl. That is played on Friday, December 16th at 8.30 a.m. here in Las Vegas. That's not the best time. And you talked about the screen turning black. Well, UAB took a whole bunch of money on Friday. Now minus 11, total 44.5. The Blazers and the Redhawks, what do you think? I'm going to go with the total, and I'm going to go over. I think matchup-wise, UAB's run game should have success against Miami, Ohio defensively. UAB's got one of the better group of five running backs in the entire country in McBride. On the other side, I think some of the MAC teams, if you followed and bet MAC, particularly this November, they had some suppressed scoring because the weather wasn't very good in a lot of those games. So because of those two reasons, I lean over. Uh, it's not one of my favorite bets, but uh, we're the pizza bet. Yeah, and it, and it makes a ton of sense when you talk about those max schools that had all of that depressed scoring, and now they're playing in the Bahamas 
It might rain, but it ain't going to be cold. <laughs> uh, uh, look for Miami UAB over. Uh, Troy and Texas San Antonio, two conference winners, two teams that both had nothing short of spectacular seasons. Point spread near pick them here. I'm seeing Troy minus one at most locations. Total 50 of four and a half. That Trojans defense is pretty good for a total this high. Can the Roadrunners score it, points it in bunches? Yeah, it is. I think the key word, though, here is a missed opportunity because I, I wanted to play on both of these teams in bowl season. I think mm-hmm. they got a lot of momentum. Uh, they, they got head coaches that are doing a great job. They're relatively young in their tenure there. Wanted to play on both those teams. So it's kind of a shame that they got matched up against one another. I might disagree with you a little bit, Teddy. I'm going to go over the total, and I hear you on Troy's defense that carried that team for most of the season. I actually finally liked what I saw from them offensively the last two, three games of the season. They finally got it going there. And on the other side of the ball, this is in the weeds a little bit, but UTSA had a stretch where in a four-week period, they faced a backup quarterback every single week. So some of their defensive stats, I think, are inflated a little bit because they weren't facing the starting quarterback on the opposition. That's one of those great little tidbits that you listen to Cover It with Teddy Covered for great info. Uh, from Bad Powers, talk about how UTSA's defensive numbers may not be quite as good as they look because they face backup quarterbacks four weeks in a row. <laughs> how about let's shift our focus to Saturday, December 17th. We're going quick hitter style, getting through as many of these bowls as we can. Louisville, Cincinnati. This is fascinating because of the head coaching situation. Head coach going from one school to another, both teams dealing with coaching changes. Yeah, so, look, I like I like to think that I can price uncertainty as good as anybody. This one might cross the line for even me. Probably a little bit too much uncertainty for me to get involved, Teddy. I've made 50-plus bets so far in the bowl season. I am not bet this game. I would lean under, though, a couple reasons. Might have a pair of backup quarterbacks in, in this one. Number two, obviously a pair of interim coaches in, in this one. You know, I'm, you, you look at Scott Satterfield, the Louisville head coach, is going to be the Cincinnati head coach. He's reclusive himself. He won't even be involved in this game whatsoever. And then last I checked, Fenway Bowl played at Fenway Park, middle of December, in Boston, Massachusetts. You might not have the greatest of weather for this bowl game, so under for me. Makes a whole lot of sense there. BYU and SMU in the celeb- – no, I'm sorry, that's a New Mexico Bowl in Albuquerque. I'm seeing SMU as the chalk minus three total. Let's call it 70 slash seven and a half. They're expecting 10 touchdowns or more in this one. Are they going to get them? Yeah, I, I, you're not going to get me betting over seven and a half. I'm just, I'm not built that way, Teddy. Uh, <laughs> you know, it makes sense when you look at both teams, you know, high-powered offenses and lack of defense. I'm a little surprised. You know, a lot of moves don't, you know, surprise me too much. I understand them. I'm surprised SMU's up to a full three here. So I just a pure power ratings play for me, BYU plus three. Uh, I know they were a bad team against the spread, but I thought they improved down the stretch, including wins over Boise State and a winning cover at Stanford. So a lean on BYU plus three for me. Now the early money's come the other way in that game. Any idea why? I'm going to have to dive into it a little bit further. There might be some player opt-outs. See, I thought you know the vibe would be good for BYU. 
uh, because I really liked what they made as far as a coordinator. They, they fired their defense coordinator in the middle of the season. They hired the Weaver State head coach to be their upcoming defense coordinator. Is he going to help them for this bowl game? No, but I think he does help the overall atmosphere in that locker room. So uh, I, I got to see if somebody's opting out. It's, it's one that I don't have the answer with right now, and that's okay to say that, I think. Uh, it's perfectly okay to say that. You can say that as many games as you want, my friend. You know these teams. You know this marketplace. Whatever you have to share, we'll take it. And when you don't have something to share, hey, I got no opinion on this one. I don't know what's going on in that one. It's okay. So it's called the L.A. Bowl, but I think it would be better if it was La Bowl. <laughs> That's Fresno like State that. and Washington State, Saturday, December 17th. This one is 1230 here on the left coast, 330 for you back east. Um, seeing right now Fresno as the chalk here, minus three over Wazoo, total 54 and a half. Yeah, Fresno's taking a lot of money. I agree with it. I'm a part of it. Uh, a multitude of reasons. Jay Kaner is going to play for Fresno State, and he makes a heck of a difference. Don't believe me? Look at the, the games Fresno State played without him this year, and look at the games that they played with Jay Kaner this year. Eight and one when he started the game and finished the game as a starting quarterback. The only loss a good Oregon State team on the final play of the game. He said he's going to play and he's motivated. On top of it, I question Washington State's motivation. Three of their top four wide receivers are out. Their defensive coordinator is out. A couple of their top defensive players are out. So that's why Fresno State's taking money, and I, I'm going to agree with that one. So Wazoo's got the guys sitting, and that's something that it's always good to know about as early as possible. Let's talk about Rice and Southern Miss in the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Southern Miss, huh? the market slept on them all year long. I don't know they're sleeping on them anymore. Minus six and a half, or even minus sevens out there. Total 46 and a half between the Owls and the Golden Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to continue to ride this team that's been so good to me. Uh, look, I think both teams are very excited to be in a bowl game. I, even Rice at five and seven, they don't make bowl games regularly anymore. And Southern Miss with a second-year coach, excited. I, I bet him in their finale to get the ball eligibility, and they rewarded me. I just think, that number one, I think the Sun Belt's a much better conference than Conference USA. I think for a majority of the people listening, ah, it's just a group of five conference. The average team power rating is a big difference between the, the average team in the Sun Belt and the Conference USA. On top of it, I just think, generally speaking, because of the last two years for Southern Miss, they're just underrated. Ten, ten different players took a snap under center last year for Southern Miss at quarterback. Five different players have taken a, a snap under center this year from Southern Miss. So because of the instability of quarterback, I actually think this, is, this team's better than their results on a week-in and week-out basis. They should be healthy for this one. Give me Southern Miss. Now, my old friend Sean Hess gave me a great bowl season tidbit back in the day, and I've used it ever since. He said, find the teams that have been terrible against the spread all year, 25%, I think 30, I forget if it's 25% or 33%. Uh, ATS, meaning that they've covered three or four games, uh, no more. And those teams, when they make their bowl, they become bet on because they have no betting bandwagon. Is the opposite true for a team like Southern Miss, a team that uh, has been great ATS all year, but maybe now they've gotten a bit of a bandwagon, or you think there's still plenty of value here with the Golden Eagles? I think, obviously, case-by-case basis, but your old friend Sean is correct. It works both ways. You kind of want to play on teams, that uh, were bad against the spread throughout the season, you want to play against teams that are some of the best ATS because throughout both season, people are going to flock towards those good records. I think you start paying a premium as the, uh, the game kickoff, uh, as you get closer to kickoff. 
So then with Southern Miss, you're talking about you're just going to ride this team one more time. They've been such a good point spread team. Are you, are you worried that the markets have finally caught up with them? Well, it comes down to ultimately power ranks. I made it seven. That's a key number. I'm below seven. Half point matters. I'm laying six and a half. <laughs> and that, my friends, is the way a pro better is going to talk to you on air. That the number is six and a half, and I think it should be seven. That hook matters. Therefore, I'm going to get to the betting window, or at least think about getting to the betting window with the side that I think is undervalued. Great stuff for Brad Powers. I'm telling you, we're just getting started. The big games, New Year's Eve, January 2nd. We're going to break them all down after this brief commercial message. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow. At SportsGrid. At SportsGridTV. At SportsGridRadio. Real simple. Stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And, of course, you can follow today's guest, Brad Powers, on Twitter at BradPowers7. He is an excellent follow. I have no hesitation recommending him as someone who you would want to pay attention to what he is tweeting and to what he is saying. We're doing quick hitter style, going through as many of the early bowls, going through some of the early bowls, and then some of the late bowls. And we've got a couple of early bowls still to consider for that opening weekend sebo, the Las Vegas Bowl, right here at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Oregon State. Minus 10.5, minus 11 against Florida? What's going on here? Total 52. This number seems a bit high. But, of course, Anthony Richardson, the Gators' QB, he's declared for the draft. And anyone else from Florida sitting? I have to think, given this number, there's a fair few guys from the Gators who might not be playing in this bowl game. Yeah, as many as 15 guys are going to be out for Florida. No, it's not 15 starters, but that's 15 guys that are primarily in there too deep. So, I mean, that's why Oregon State's laying a hefty number. I'm here to tell you, though, I, I think it's a little too much. For, for Florida, number one, it starts with me. I'm not a big Anthony Richardson fan. I don't. I don't think he's just worth as much of this point spread as what we've seen here, as far as the, the line moving against Florida. Number two, it's a lot of points to lay with uh, a Pac-12 team against an SEC team. And last I checked, even those backups for Florida are probably going to be just as talented, if not more talented, than the starters for Oregon State. Maybe they don't play as disciplined. And I get it's a first-year coach is still, you know, learning their way a little bit as far as finding out what they really got there at Florida. But here's what I do know. Oregon State's quarterback situation, yeah, they won and covered a bunch of games this year, but Branson is not a guy that I trust laying double digits with. Hell, they didn't trust him to throw the football in the second half against Oregon. Yeah, they won, but, I mean, when you only have 13 pass attempts, I mean, that says that they're, they don't have a lot of faith there. So I, I'm going to go opposite this money a little bit. Anything above 10, I'm leaning with the Gators. Yeah, so even with the guys missing, we're going to see a lot of the pundits talk about, oh, look at Oregon State. The point spread said they look at Oregon State. Florida's sitting all these guys. Florida's quarterback's going to the NFL. None that, nonetheless, Brad Powers is saying that's where the value is. And when you grade out the personnel, even after 15 guys are missing, Beavers ain't double-digit favorites 
in this one. Next Saturday night, December 17th, the Frisco Bowl at Toyota Stadium in Texas. Boise, minus 10, 56 and a half against North Texas. North Texas? Did they just fire their coach? <laughs> they, they did just fire their coach. In a relatively shocking manner, the fact that they made their conference championship game, uh, their perennial bowl team under that coach, and they fire him. So, uh this is a case where, because of that, I don't want really anything to do with North Texas. I'm not inside that locker room, but I can only imagine that it's not the greatest of atmospheres uh, the, the, the last couple of weeks here with that going down. Now, I will say this. This is an important point. They are playing close to home. They'll sleep in their beds. I think that's worth uh, their own beds. So I, I think that's worth a half a point. So you need to give that to North Texas. But I like Boise State here. I think Boise State – Obviously, there's a, you know, a big point in their season where they turned it around. That's when they got rid of the quarterback. Hank Bachmeyer hit the transfer portal. They went to green at quarterback, and they changed off. They fired their OC and went to Dirk Cutter as their offense coordinator. So I, I am more you know, than happy to even lay a big number here, 10 points, with a Boise State team that uh, full season stats say one thing. The last seven, eight games say that, hey, this is a pretty good team. This is a top 50 team in the country. Yeah, it happened at halftime, I remember, because I had a bet on San Diego State in that game, and they were up, what, I think uh, two scores at halftime, came out in the yeah, second half. They right. shut out Boise at halftime, but that was a Friday night game. They shut them out in the first half, they came out in the second half, and I think turned the ball over, I forget it was the kickoff for the first play, and Boise, boom, five touchdowns in the second half, they never looked back. They've been a completely different team ever since, prior to the matchup with Fresno in the Mountain West title game, where Boise, for the first time, looked human once again. All right, we've gone through a full overview of the first group of bowl games. I want to take a look at some of the later games, the games that everyone's all excited about. So if you will indulge me, <laughs> let's move down on the sheet and take a look at New Year's Eve and January 2nd. Iowa and Kentucky starts off the New Year's Eve games. Iowa-Kentucky playing in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. We've seen pretty steady Iowa money, but Iowa doesn't have a quarterback. Their first stringer, their second stringer is out. The, whoever starts at QB for the Hawkeyes in this game will be making their first collegiate, will be throwing their first collegiate pass. They're the favorites against Kentucky, minus two. And look at the total, 31 and a half. What do we do with this one? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here's the, it's a tough one. It's similar to Louisville, Cincinnati. There's a lot of moving parts here that, that makes it you know tough to bet. Uh, I would say that Iowa's quarterback play to begin with is not very good, so the drop-off isn't that significant. Kentucky's also playing with a backup quarterback. Will Levis has announced that he's going to go pro and not play in this game. On top of it, their outstanding running back, Christopher Rodriguez, he's not playing in this game. So that's why you saw a little bit of Iowa money come in in the last 24, 48 hours because of those two announcements on Kentucky's side. Iowa's got a couple of starting wide receivers out for the game, too. They had the transfer portal. I guess what I'm getting at, Teddy, is I can't bet it yet. It's, there's too much uncertainty. This is a situation. If it went to three, I'll take a little piece of Kentucky plus three. If it got the total got so low that I had to, like 30 and a half, I would just, you know, auto play over because everything needs to be perfect to, for, for that to hit. So that, I'm in a wait-and-see mode here. Yeah, I have a hard time playing these two defenses over the total. They're both elite Ds. Alabama's not used to playing on New Year's Eve and the Sugar Bowl at 9 o'clock in the morning in Vegas time. And the point spread's telling us that. Bama, minus three, three and a half 
total 54.5 against K-State. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be a little contrarian again here. Uh, I get it. Alabama's not excited to be here. I get it. Bryce Young, he hasn't announced it yet, but this line says he's not playing. Will Anderson's probably not playing for Alabama. And Kansas State's going to be sky high in this one to play the Crimson Tide, coming off a Big 12 championship. I get all that. But that's why Alabama's laying three, and they're not laying ten points, because if all things are created equal, Alabama would be a ten-point favorite. It kind of reminds me of Alabama's bowl game a couple years ago. They played Michigan, and everyone kept betting Michigan. You know, it was ten down to, like, seven, six and a half. Alabama played poorly in the first half, but when it was all said and done, the Crimson Tide want to cover the game. Why? Because even their backups, they still got more Jimmys and Joes than what Kansas State has. And as long as Nick Saban's still roaming the sidelines, I just don't see, you know, uh, uh, an Alabama team that just fails to show up completely. Now, we've seen it in the past. You're going to hear a lot of people say, oh, they lost to Utah. Well, that's 15 years ago. Well, they lost to Oklahoma. Well, that was 10 years ago. I haven't seen <laughs> Alabama completely no show for a bowl game in 10 years. So, I'm I'm contrarian. I'm rolling with the tide here. But they're due. (laughs) (laughs) TCU and Michigan. Uh, This will be a 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific time start. The Wolverines, 7.5 point favorite. Total 59-ish. There's some variance on that total. TCU was everyone's point spread darling all year until the finale. Michigan came on like a freight train down the stretch. And every time I stood in front of the Wolverines this year, I wasn't happy I did it. Talk to me. Horn Frogs versus the Harbaugh's. Yeah, yeah. I, I waited when you were asking me about my least favorite teams. TCU would be one of my least favorite teams. I, I, I lost quite a few games going against TCU uh, this year. And I'm here to tell you, look, I'm not egotistical. I'm actually very self-deprecating. I think I was right a majority of those games in fading <laughs> TCU. I'm not. I mean, the, the the scoreboard didn't match the box score for a ton of their games this season. And what am I getting at? Well, I, I think they're overrated. I'm with you. I, I bet against Michigan in the Ohio State game and lost my butt, to say the least there. But I just think, what, what can I trust most? I think I can trust Michigan at the line of scrimmage more than anything in this matchup. And I just think TCU has not seen an offensive line that Michigan is going to throw at him here. And I just think Michigan leans on that TCU defensive front in the second half. They're able to get margin here. I lean Michigan. Georgia, less than a touchdown against Ohio State. This is a line that surprised casual betters. But those familiar with point spreads and power ratings aren't that surprised by this number at all. On a neutral field, Bulldogs minus 6.5. The total has been bet up. 61.5, now 62's on the board. What do you think of this? semifinal matchup. This will be the late game on New Year's Eve. So when it first got announced, there were sevens available. I took seven with the Buckeyes. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid, and you mentioned it. Maybe the guys that are doing this professionally aren't surprised. Why? Because the majority of the season, Georgia was probably three and a half, four uh, against Ohio State on a neutral. And we're not changing Ohio State's power rating that significantly because they had a one really bad app against Michigan. I think people are surprised. Ohio State, for as bad as that result was, was still beating Michigan at halftime, believe it or not. So I, I, I wasn't that aggressive in my downgrade of Ohio State. Certainly, there's some worries that, you know, Georgia, you know, uh, playing close to home. You said neutral field. I don't think it's so neutral. Atlanta, this is their third time playing Atlanta this year. They'll have the crowd edge. I think you got to at least give Georgia a point of home field advantage there. Uh, but with all that said, I made it four and a half. 
at six and a half, even though I are, you know, it's crossed through a key number of seven, I'd still make the bet on Ohio State plus six and a half here. Great stuff from Brad Powers. Brad, give us a bettable opinion. Give us a vote for one of these bowls, maybe a game that we haven't talked about, any game that you want to talk about. Uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, give us a bowl winner for our audience today. Yeah, January 2nd, I'm going to the Illinois and Mississippi State. I wanted to mention the bowl's name. It used to be the Outback Bowl. Now it's the ReliaQuest Bowl. That's a shame that we have to change bowl to sponsors <laughs> after 20 years of it being the Outback Bowl. It's a couple reasons, and it's mainly against Mississippi State. Number one, Mike Leach in bowl games is not good. Well, why isn't he good? He's not good because he's got a quirky offense, and when you have extra time to prep for his offense, that's usually a negative for him. Number two, I think he's lost the locker room a little bit. You see all those transfer portals? Well, one of them in particular was a Mississippi State player not afraid to take shots at Mike Leach. There's a recording going on of Mike Leach taking shots at this player. Several players have hit the transfer portal for Mississippi State on the offensive side of the ball. Illinois will be excited to be in this bowl game because they don't typically go to bowl games. And I think they have a really good defense. So give me Illinois minus one and a half. And certainly when you look at some of the passing defensive numbers for the Illini this year, Brett Bielema's defense wasn't just good. It was freaking amazing. That was a really impressive defense against a number of different opponents this year. Great info from Brad Powers at BradPower7 on Twitter. Brad, what do you want to promote, my friend? Where can, uh, where can people find you? Um, and... Uh, what other shows are you doing, man? It seems like you're doing a hundred of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at BradPower7. I got a website, BradPowerSports.com, for more information there. And I'm, I'm doing shows with, with just about everybody. I mean, if, uh, I, I can name the five, six different companies, but I'll just say this. Just go on Twitter. You can follow and uh, if follow my timeline. You'll see me on uh, 50 different shows. But as always, one of my favorite shows each time to do is, is with you, Teddy. So thanks for having me. Oh, he's so sweet. I appreciate it. But the one advantage, when you do a show with me, at least I know something about handicapping. <laughs> I know something about most of these teams. <laughs> yeah. So so some of these mainstream shows you do, man, uh, the hosts can be, I just say, uh, they're not knowledgeable gamblers. So it's good to spend time with someone that knows what he's doing from a gambling perspective. Brad Powers, I hope you have a great bowl season, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, this was a great show. If you missed any portion of it, go back and download the podcast version. You'll get everything Brad Powers had to say about bowl season, a whole bunch of quick hitters, and it's really easy to do. Wherever you download your podcasts, just search for Cover It and Cover It with Teddy Covers. And you can download and consume at your convenience. You can download today's college football podcast. You can download tomorrow's NFL podcast. You can download last week, last month. You can make fun of a Super Bowl prediction from two years ago. Every show we've ever done available for you to download and consume at your convenience. And this show... A great opportunity to do just that. Again, just search Cover It or Cover It with Teddy Covers, and you can download the podcast at anywhere you download these sort of things. I'm going to give you a bettable opinion to start out bowl season. Again, this is a game. It's not going to be played till next week, but it's going to be played before we're on air next week. So I better talk about it right now. That, of course, 
would be the Cure Bowl in Orlando, Florida, Troy, and Texas San Antonio. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. From a total standpoint, I'm going to talk about the side right here. This is a Roadrunners team that has played and lost their bowl game in each of the last two seasons. They're 0-3, bowl time in the program's history. Now, they played in Texas each of the last two years. This year, and playing in Texas is not particularly exciting for a bunch of Texas kids. They just get to go to Florida. Okay, This year, they aren't underdogs against a superior team like they've been in each of the last two seasons. You know, they're not just happy to be here. Jeff Trailer, the head coach, quote, we're thrilled about the matchup and the opportunity to get one more first for our school, a bowl win. There's urgency here for Texas San Antonio. And Troy had a great regular season. Their defense was solid. Their offense came like a freight train down the stretch. But this team is on a different trajectory than UTSA. Remember, you know, they're all sub-500 seasons each of the last three years. They made a big leap this year. I don't know if it's big enough to win this ballgame. I like UTSA, the Hungry Bowl veteran, not the newcomer. That's my take for this one. And that's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers today. Again, tune in tomorrow, same time, same channel. And check us out for an NFL edition. Enjoy the games and good luck all day.